Welcome to Pieces for My Puzzle. I'm your host, Nikki Ship, and I'm excited to be sharing with you my life with a son on the spectrum. This podcast is for anyone who is looking for quick tips and perspective, but most of all, for hope and inspiration. So sit back, relax, and let's put the pieces together. To another episode of Pieces for My Puzzle. I am your puzzle master, Nikki. Thank you so much for joining us today. Last week, we spoke with the fabulous Danny Shaw from Danny Shaw Coaching. If you didn't tune into that episode, please do. It was such a, a great podcast. I had such a great time speaking with Danny, and uh, you definitely need to check that one out. Um, this week, we're going to go ahead and talk about the IEP process and actually a way to kind of roadmap the process of of going through an IEP, especially if you're new to it. And it's a complex system, and I want to break it down into some more simple steps so it's easier for you to understand. IEPs are basically put into place to help children with disabilities or learning disorders to succeed in school. And they're very, very complex. But one thing that we don't anticipate as a parent is it's also a really emotional process. So it's something that we need to be able to kind of put our emotional um, state to the side and really focus on what's in the best interest of our child during the IEP process. And that can be difficult sometimes because unfortunately these are the types of meetings where this isn't the meeting where you're going to brag about your child or, or talk about um, you know, all the happy things. These, these are meetings where you have to really kind of get down to the nitty gritty about what your child needs help with. And sometimes that can be emotional because we're not, you know, we're not always celebrating the positive in an IEP. So I want to give you, like I said, some steps to roadmap this process. So I like to call it road mapping because I visualize it as a journey down the road. And each sign that you come across is basically going to be one of those steps that you're going to take. So the first step I'm going to give you, of course, is to request for an IEP. And if you're brand new to IEPs, get out a pen and paper because this is going to be some great information that you can use. But the first step, of course, is to request for an IEP. You should be able to express all your areas of concern, uh, what you have observed. Uh, If there is a diagnosis that you already have, like, for example, Dreisen uh, was already diagnosed at the age of three with autism, so I had that diagnosis with me. Uh, you do need to request it in writing. And this is really important that you request it in writing for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's mandatory. You have to request it in writing. But the other is now is the time for you to start a paper trail. You want to start documenting when you're asking for these things from the school and you're going to start creating a timeline of things. But the IEPs are designed to address three specific areas, educational, cognitive, and uh, OT, for occupational therapy, motor skills, things like that. So the IEP is broken down in that process. After you request for an IEP, the second step is going to be your evaluation. Every school has a timeline that they have to assess or to do an evaluation. If they refuse or uh, tell you that they can't do an evaluation, you have the right to request what we call an IEE, or an Independent Educational Evaluation. 
If you do not agree with their evaluation, you can also request an IEP. It's important that you know that you have options if you don't agree with or if they're refusing to do an evaluation. The third step, of course, after they do the evaluation is to attend what they call the eligibility meeting. And just because a child has a learning difference doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be eligible for an IEP. So this is why this meeting is really, really important. It's important to take note of things that you're observing in the home. What are your observations? Uh, very clear things that you're noticing when you're helping them at home. If you're helping them with homework, how do they respond? How do they approach solving a math problem? Uh, do they do reverse writing? Do they read uh, differently to you? Try to take note of some of those things, write them down, so that you can go in with the, with the intention of letting the IEP team know what your observations are. There are 13 codes that qualify, uh, or technically what they call a qualifying disability under IDEA. And IDEA is an acronym that stands for Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. In order for a child to have an IEP, they have to fall under one of those 13 codes to then, um, they have to, they basically have to determine which of those 13 codes your child's going to fall under in order for the IEP then to become valid, okay? Once that's determined, the IEP then at that point can be developed. So you can see that these are the first basically three steps that I'm giving you, how complex this process is, even just to get to the IEP point, okay? So the other, the other big piece of advice that I'll offer to you is just patience because this is a process and it does take a little while. Once they determine that your child qualifies under IDEA, then step four would be to develop an IEP. Remember that you are part of this IEP team. When you walk into the meeting to sit down to talk with the educators about the goals that are, they have in mind for your child, remember that you are there as part of the team to help with that. You are there to voice your concerns, let them know what you're observing, and it's not just solely up to them on what those goals should be at school. Now these goals are going to be educationally uh, focused, so focused on education, excuse me, mainly academic, right, cognitive and OT related. So keep that in mind as well, that we also have to be able to explain some of the behavioral aspect in order to align with the goals for, for the educational part of it. And that can be tricky sometimes. Sometimes it can get a little convoluted. <clears throat> the fifth step is implement the IEP. And I, I always like to say it might look good in writing, but it ne you need to make sure that it's being executed so that your child can receive the services that they need. Um, it's really, really important that this part is, is monitored and that you're able to watch and make sure that the IEP is getting implemented, which kind of leads me into step six, which is monitoring progress. And I wrote down some tips here um, too, uh, in terms of monitoring progress at what you can do, but this is a really big deal. If you are not monitoring the progress, then how do you know that your child's really hitting that goal? You should be getting progress reports based on the IEP goals 
usually when report cards or grades come out, and if you are not receiving a progress report, ask for one. Ask for the progress report. They should be providing that with you. And I'm, I'm speaking from experience here. We didn't know for quite a long time that progress reports were supposed to be given to us at the same time that Drayson was getting his grades. And that was uh, a, little, a little upsetting to us because we didn't know that there was such a thing. So remember to always ask for the progress report. And in the meantime, don't necessarily wait for the progress reports just to make a determination if, if it's going well. It should be something that's continuous for you. Look at your child's classroom work, their homework. Look at um, are they improving? Um, are, does it seem to be getting better when you're sitting down doing homework with them? So it should be a continuous thing for you. Um, ask them. Ask the IEP team how they are monitoring the progress. Okay. If you're not getting the information that you need, you can always request another IEP meeting. And this is something that I think that we don't realize either as parents, that it is your right to request a meeting at any time. You do not have to just attend the annual meeting or have only an annual meeting. You can request an IEP meeting at any time. I usually <clears throat> will request, so Drayson's IEP annual review is usually in April. And I actually request six weeks after school starts the following year for an IEP meeting because I want to hear uh, if the goals are aligning with what we originally decided back in April. So usually at that point, once I request it and it goes through, it's about six months later. So it's kind of like a mid-year review. Um, and just, like I said, keep that in mind. If you don't feel that you're getting the answers that you need or the progress, you don't feel like you're, you're hearing anything about progress, or they can't tell you how they are monitoring that progress themselves, they're not producing any results, any quantifiable results, right? Documentation is so important. So if they can't provide any of that, I would request another IEP meeting at that point. And then, of course, step seven is your annual review. What happened? What worked? What didn't work? Uh, what would you like to see changed? And be prepared. Take notes. I, um, in one of my previous podcast episodes, I talk about staying organized for IEPs. And I have a sheet of paper right in the front of that binder. So I would actively make notes in there. If I would think about something that I wanted to bring up later to the IEP team or an observation that I would have, I would write it down on that piece of paper so that the next time I go into an IEP meeting, I, I have some notes. Or write some notes in your phone if you don't have, uh, if you don't want to go old school and use pen and paper like I do. Put some notes in your phone of things that you're observing um, and keep track of all of that because if you go back and read even a couple months prior, you might see a difference that you didn't recognize because um, you're just in the moment looking at things. So find a way to document that. It's, it's super important. Um, the eighth step and the last step is reevaluation. So adjust your IEP as needed. Um, kind of a rinse and repeat, steps four through seven. You're going to go ahead and go back through the, the review, um, the IEP process. Um, every year you'll want to make sure that you are taking a look at those things. Some additional quick tips is just educate yourself. Be familiar with uh, timelines, and there is legality that's involved with an IEP. So familiarize yourself. We are going to be doing 
this will not be the only podcast I've done. I know I've done another podcast about IEPs and staying organized. I really am hoping that we're going to be doing additional podcasts about uh, IEP, um, IEP terminology. So this won't be the only podcast that I'm going to be having about IEPs. But one of the things that we will be talking about in the future is is uh, terminology and the differences between uh, an IEP, let's say, and a 504. So, but in the meantime, you know, do some research, be familiar, um, find find out what the timelines are within your school district, um, how much time do they have. Um, every every state uh, might vary just a little bit, and it's different for us. Like here, we're in the state of Arizona, so my uh, timelines might be a little bit different than what the timelines are for, let's say, um, Nebraska. So make sure that you check your your local state laws with that. Get to know, like I said, the educational terminology that's used and become familiar with IDEA. You heard me mention that earlier. IDEA stands for Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And I do have a resource from the National Center uh, for Learning Disabilities. I do have a link that I will post in the show notes for you as well that gives you some information more about IDEA. And that's really it's really important to, to understand that this is something that's in legislation. This is a part of the legality of the IEP, but it's, it's really important that you're familiar with IDEA so that you understand what your rights are as a parent and what your child is also um, eligible for. Um, I heard this. I heard this saying once, and I really, I really liked it, and it stuck with me. And it, it's that document beats conversation. So, when in doubt, document everything. Make sure that you are. If you have a verbal conversation with an educator that's on the IEP team, make sure you follow that up with an email to them. Start a paper trail. Make sure that you're documenting all the conversations that you have. Um, record the conversations in the meetings if you can. Again, check what your state laws are. It's different here in Arizona. Arizona here is a one-party state, meaning only one person has to know that it's being recorded. So you can record the conversations um, if you need to, but just make sure that you're doing it the right way and uh, informing all parties if you need to. So (laughs) there's my legal disclaimer. so, and, and make sure that you're keeping, I would print the emails and put them in timeline order. So if you need to go back and keep almost a paper trail in some sort of order format, because if anything ever does become a problem, you have documentation of everything and, and it's in order and ready to go. At the end of every episode, we want to do a story highlight. So please, if you have a fun story to tell about your kiddo on the spectrum, please email us at info at piecesformypuzzle.com. We'd love to read those stories and hopefully feature one of your stories on a future podcast. Since we've been talking about advocating for your child with an IEP, I just felt that this story was a little fitting. I actually want to tell a story a little bit about me and how I advocated for Drayson in a scenario at his school. Um, it was particularly upsetting to me just because Drayson isn't completely verbal and things that might bother Drayson aren't necessarily going to show. You might not think that they're going to bother him, but uh, chances are it probably is. So I would drop off Drayson every day from at school and 
in the beginning, he could not walk independently to go stand in line with his peers. So we would have um, a para come, a paraprofessional come and escort him to the line. The original conversation that I had with his school was that they would walk him to the line and then, you know, they would help him into the classroom and get him settled. And then at the end of every day, I would pick him up from school. And things started to change. I would pick him up from school and they would tell me to go to the front office to pick him up. And I wasn't really understanding why they were taking him to the front office instead of him standing in line with his peers at the regular pickup line. And I started observing, kind of watching and noticing that one morning in particular, I dropped him off and they weren't walking him back to where the line was with his peers. So I finally asked what, you know, how come he's not going back into the line with his peers? And I found out that they were taking him from, instead of taking him in the line to go stand with his peer, stay, stay with his peers, they were taking him to the library in the morning to isolate him. To be, you know, they would stay stay in the library and wait, and then they would take him to the office in at the end of the day for me to pick him up. And so when I asked, I said, "Is there a behavioral issue going on? Is something happening? Is he acting out? Is there?" And they said, "No, we just they had sent me an email telling me that they just felt it was best for Drayson." So when I asked why it was, I, they told me it was best for Drayson. The reason had nothing to do with Drayson. The reason was because of their schedule. The para had to clock out immediately after she dropped off Drayson. So it was easier for them to remove him out of the line and have me go to the front office and pick him up so that she could clock out and then go home, which might not sound like a big deal. But with a child on the spectrum, social skills are so important, and peer modeling is even more important. So those 10 minutes that he stands in line with his peers is all social interaction that he could potentially have or observations with other peers that he could potentially have. And you're doing that twice a day. So let's say for the sake of time, 10 minutes, 10 minutes in a line waiting for pickup, 10 minutes in a line waiting to go into your classroom, 20 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day times five days a week. All of those minutes add up. And that's exposure. That's social skills. That's, that's being able to acclimate him in a social environment. And I got really, really upset because I also felt like you are letting him feel different and he's not saying that he feels awkward or, you know, that it bothers him. He just knows that he's different because he's getting moved to the library in the morning before school starts and he's being dropped off at the front office at the end of the day. So my point to this story is be an advocate for your child. Those little moments like that in a social setting are huge, huge. They are such a big deal for my son. So they were doing it in the best interest of their schedule and not thinking about the best interest of Drayson. Pay attention to little things like that because they can make a big difference. So I guess what I want to leave by saying with that is just keep your eyes and ears on situations at all times. And don't be afraid to ask questions um, or ask for why 
make sure that you have a justification. And if they can't provide a valid justification to you, then make sure that they set it right. And that's what I had to do for Drayson. I had to make sure that they were setting that right and allowing him to go stand in line with his peers. Um, I don't want him, he knows he's different and I don't want him to feel any less or any more different, excuse me, than, than he already does feel. So again, if you have a story that you would like to share about your kiddo on the spectrum, please email our show in at pieces, or excuse me, at info at piecesformypuzzle.com. This concludes our episode for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And you can also subscribe and watch us on YouTube at Pieces for My Puzzle. And if you like what you're hearing, please send the word out to friends and family. Let them know that we're here to help and offer resources and support. And if you like what you're hearing, you can also give us a good rating on your preferred podcast platform of choice. Until next time, keep working on your puzzle. And remember, you don't have to have it solved in a day. Take care. Bye-bye.